It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are doing 2022 New York Jets offseason roundtables. This is a yearly tradition here on Play Like a Jet, fifth season that we are doing this. And so we bring in a return guest. He's a two-time Emmy Award-winning reporter for New York One and a fellow Jets fan and aficionado of Sicilian pizza. So had to have him back. He was a lot of fun to talk to last year. Long-suffering Jets fan, Roger Clark. Roger, thanks for coming back on the show, brother. Oh, Scott, thanks for inviting me. And, uh, you know, that, and of course, it depends on what that Sicilian pizza is, because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later, too, because you're right. Not all Sicilian pizza is created equally. Let's start with your thoughts overall on this team. They were four and 13 this year. I don't know what your expectations were necessarily. Mine weren't much better than that. I thought they were probably going to win about five. So I was pretty close. What'd you think though? Year one of the Douglas Sala combination and the rest of this roster and where it seems to be headed. We'll get into Douglas and Sala and the coaching staff specifically in a little bit, but first, what are your thoughts overall? I have to say, I mean, you know, I, I probably was right around where, where you're talking about, maybe five tops, you know, six wins on the season. But I thought that they would perform better uh, even in those games. And, and it was I'll tell you, the first half of the season was kind of tough to watch sometimes to the point where, you know, it's funny. My son plays youth baseball and I was I, I was almost forced to miss some games because of that, because his games were Sundays. I'd be watching on my phone while he was playing baseball. But then, you know, it starts to get to the point where I'm looking down at my phone and I'm getting crushed. And, 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 and I was just like, do I really, you know, do I want to do this to myself? Then fast forward towards the end of the season, the last like, you know, four games, and they've actually been pretty fun to watch. And it's been, I think it's been great seeing Zach Wilson's development. I mean, his turnovers are, you know, obviously much less. He's not throwing any picks and, and he's making the passes that at the beginning of the season, he was missing the easy ones. I felt like he was trying way too hard. So, I, I, you know, I, I overall, obviously, still a disappointing season, but I definitely see a light at the end of the tunnel as we wrap things up. I mean, I hate when they play that last game and they're not in the playoffs because, I mean, what, I don't know what I'm talking about. We must be used to it, right, Scott? <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, just once. I mean, I just really would like to, uh, you know, like, hey, it's the super wild card weekend, except for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the point, Roger, where if they can at least go into December 
in the playoff mix and give us something to be hopeful about in December, that's all I'm asking for. I know expectations are low, but you got to crawl before you can walk and you got to walk before you can run. So let's at least hope that they take that next step in the upcoming year in 2022. Before we get to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, who are obviously going to play a huge role in what happens with the Jets, let's talk about Zach Wilson because you mentioned him before. There seemed to be some improvement from his early part of the season where he was very, very mistake prone, did wow you with some good throws, but overall very uneven. And then when he came back from injury after that Texans game where he seemed pretty hobbled, not a lot of mistakes, weren't as many wow throws as there had been earlier in the season. There were plenty of them, though. But he wasn't making the same type of backbreaking mistakes. And I brought this point up in the season finale against the Buffalo Bills. The Jets really had no business being in that game. And a big part of the reason why is because Josh Allen missed a ton of open touchdown opportunities. But if Wilson had made backbreaking mistakes like he had against, say, the Patriots in week number two, it wouldn't have mattered that Josh Allen was squandering those opportunities because the Jets would have been losing 45-10. Because he didn't get carried away with turnovers, the Jets were still in that game. Now, if you combine that with the playmaking that we've seen and he can do that consistently, then you've got the makings of a true franchise quarterback. But do you think he can get there, Roger? Do you think the arrow is truly pointing up for Zach Wilson or are you a little hesitant because of what we saw with Sam Darnold? Remember, at the end of 2018, he had a really strong month, looked a lot better after he came back from his injury, and then we all know what happened after that. So do you think this is Darnold revisited or is it different this time with Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I think it is different. And I think one thing is I, I feel a chemistry between him and Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. I think LaFleur really came around great, uh, got, getting very creative uh, with the with the schemes uh, throughout, you know, as towards the end of the season. And you could see the difference. And, it, you know, sometimes I feel like when they ha- there's a good relationship between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator, I think that's that's it's the the world. I mean, it, it, it's great. And I, you could just tell like early in the season, we were all going crazy when Zach would look down the field and do like a little wave thing. And as he's scrambling and then Chuck won like 80 yards. Right. But then he would miss the easy ones and then he'd mm-hmm. throw balls into the other team's hands. <laughs> so watching towards the end of the season, watching him make the good throws and putting the t- a little touch on it instead of just zipping it in on those, but then also showing that unbelievable, I mean, some of some of the throws he made, Scott, in the past couple of weeks, I mean, there was some really great just pinpoint rifles, I mean, mm-hmm. shots that he threw to people that you're like, whoa, like he was getting it right in the spot. Um, so that was nice to see. So I think there's a lot of potential. He needs an offensive line, obviously, which we could chat about. And, you know, he needs some weapons. And, and, and again, it was I think the team suffered because of that. Yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, he could have had the best receivers in the world for the first half of the season, and they still probably would have lost because he still was lost. That Those weeks he had off in the injury, I think, were very key. I think it was actually good for him to stand on sidelines and watch Mike White and and also even Joe Flacco. You know, having those guys and having that experience and, get, and soaking that up and seeing how you're supposed to do it when you throw a short pass. Like that game, Mike White against the Bengals, I mean, we all joke about it. he had the one game and that was it. But the way he threw those short passes, those quick little shots over the middle, to that's what a quarterback needs to be able to do in addition mm-hmm. to the long passes. And mm-hmm. I think Zach got to watch that, and I think it was really helpful, don't you think? 
Yeah, for sure. Although, unfortunately for Mike White, that was literally all he's capable of, which is why he's a backup instead of a long-term starter. Thankfully, Zach Wilson is capable of doing a lot more. The question is going to be, as we said, can he do it consistently? And we'll find out more about that in 2022. But if that's going to happen... More pieces are going to have to be added, and as you said, offensive line certainly one area. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I want to talk about the guy who will be in charge of adding the pieces. That's Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas came on board. If you remember, there was that whole insane situation with Adam Gase usurping him. That's where Peter J. Dillard, one of our loyal listeners, came up with the nickname Usurper for Adam Gase. That's something we still use to refer to Gase to this day and always will. So Joe Douglas comes in here in 2019 after the draft, after free agency. So he's had three years, but really only two and a half years as the general manager. How do you feel about him? Are you optimistic going forward? Do you think he's going to be the guy that will rebuild this roster in the way that the Jets need for them to finally get on the right track and be a consistent playoff contender and possibly more? I think he's made, you know, what? look, you know, I mean, Mims is really like, I think we all could, could say he's a bust, right? Uh, Becton, they can't seem to stay healthy. They want him back apparently, but the guy's going to have to be in super great shape and really like work hard in the offseason. He still has some potential, but I think you might clar- you know, classify him as a bust. So there's those things. But I also think that Douglas, you know, I think the pick of Wilson is looking really smart right now when you consider, you know, Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a good pro because I still think he, he, he probably will be. But then you also look at, you know, I mean, I, I think Douglas really, I think, you know, having that combination with him and Sal, I think, I do think he's the man for the job. And I think, I think he can get it done. I, I he did have a weak draft, you know, the, the year before, but I, I do think I, I like our chances with him going into this, this off season and, and making the right calls. I think he kind of gets it now, you know, it might've been, you know, it, it's look, it's not an easy job, right? It's a, it's a gamble. It takes a lot. And it, I guess it takes a village. Like he's got to have a lot of scouting, know who the, who's the right guys and stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of like, I'm going to put my faith in him on this, on this one. Do you have similar faith in Robert Sala, who just completed his rookie season as Jets head coach and his coaching staff? A lot of people not so high on Jeff Ulbrich for obvious reasons. I know the Jets didn't exactly have the best defensive personnel, but they finished 32nd and they were almost dead last in everything. If not dead last, they were certainly in the bottom, just about every meaningful defensive metric. What are your thoughts on him? Mike LaFleur as a rookie offensive coordinator, the coaching staff in general, do you think that they are going to be keepers, long-term solutions, or is this going to be like everybody else we've seen over the last couple of cycles? They come in, maybe they have a little bit of success early, and then they fizzle out. We saw what happened with Rex Ryan. Obviously, Todd Bowles had that winning season his first year, and then it was all downhill. I don't have to relive the Adam Gase situation. Herm Edwards was kind of similar to Rex Ryan in that there was some early winning, and then he sort of fizzled out what do you think you think Salah is here to stay I do I, you know I think so I love his you know what you know I like how upset he gets on the sidelines like you didn't see that with Gase like I I, I like Salah's like passion like he really he gets pissed on like bad calls and he gets he's really up he, he's in there he's paying attention and I, I, I like his I like his passion I like his attitude I think he's going to be a good head coach I think this was a real learning experience this year. He got outcoached big time by some of the best coaches in the league. I mean, Belichick outcoached him, obviously. He even got, you know, outcoached by uh, Flores, who got fired by the Dolphins, which is which is crazy. So 
I, I think, you know, and also when I think about the defense, you know, there was a lot of times I was watching and I was like, these guys are showing no effort, you know, but then on the other hand, they probably were just gassed half the time because they were always on the field because we didn't have an offense. <laughs> so you have to like, like they were actually playing really good against the defense played really well against the bills the other day. And I know obviously Allen was also having a crappy game, but they, they, but the defense was really putting a lot of pressure on him and there wasn't a great pass rush, but the coverage was great. Then they just they ran out of gas because, you know, our offense wasn't doing anything. And we kept punting the ball and they're out there. How long could they be on the field until they finally get tired? And a good offense like the Bills is just going to finally take over, you know, play like a jet, play like a jet. Roger, free agency is coming up. The Jets are going to be looking to make some improvements there. And then obviously the draft will be after that. Before we talk about some areas you think the Jets should shore up in free agency, maybe some specific players you like. Let's talk about the guys that are here that are coming up for free agency and who you think should stick and who you think the Jets should tell to hit the road. Marcus May is one of them, certainly. Jamison Crowder, who it looks like they're probably leaning towards not bringing back, but he's been productive since he's been here. Foley Fadakasi, one of the best run stuffers in the league. Braxton Berrios, who seems to have really found a role here as an all-pro kick returner and a gadget player. Morgan Moses, who was here on a one-year deal. So there's a couple of guys here that were meaningful pieces that the Jets could decide one way or the other on what do you think what tends to happen i think and, and i feel like this happens with me with the this happens with me with the mets i think um you know there'll be that one guy who has a halfway decent year when the rest of the team is terrible so all of a sudden that's your guy mm-hmm. so like you know barrios like became like our guy for those past weeks he was the only guy doing anything he was he was and he was really fun to watch i mean especially on special teams i mean he was great so yeah we want him Right. But obviously, we're not going to pay him a billion dollars today because <laughs> I think there's other guys who could be like him. You know, uh, you know, you, you you mentioned that people keep comparing him to Wayne Corbett. But, I, you know, I have Wayne Corbett's jersey. He was my favorite player. And I, I could honestly say that he's not Wayne Corbett yet. OK, you got to really um, may I could take him or leave him. Crowder, a great veteran, but I don't think they're going to keep him around. Uh, Cole, no, thank you. Uh, Moses, he really was a warrior. He showed a lot of heart, but you don't need him around. I, 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 from what I understand, Salah wants to maybe resign Flacco to, 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 for some guidance for, for Wilson. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I, I, you remember how the outcry over Flacco playing that one week when white, everybody wanted white to play. And mm-hmm. it was so ridiculous. Like that's when, you know, a team and fan fan base is desperate that we were so <laughs> upset that Flacco was starting the game. But meanwhile, he actually, <laughs> He was he he threw a better long ball than than White did, you know. After and and he's like you know like twice his age practically. So yeah, so I mean I'd say um, you know LDT maybe you know keep him around. I think he's 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 worth it. So yeah, it's, it, it, there's some possibilities, but I think we really need to go. We need to draft well and go outside to to pick up some other guys too. You know, Roger, if the Jets look outside externally at some of these free agents that are out there, and there are some big names, but we have to make this caveat as we do every year. A lot of these guys are going to get signed before free agency starts. A lot of them are going to get franchise tagged. So there are plenty of guys that we might talk about now that don't even make it to free agency. But right now, they are on the free agent list, so we'll include them in potential targets. What are some problem areas you'd like to see the Jets target in free agency, and are there any players specifically that you like? I think we can all agree that, all right, you, you need a couple of guys that Wilson could throw to dependable receivers. I would love to get a like a good, solid tight ends like a Mickey Schuler, <laughs> like you know, going back in time. I mean, oh wow, how great would that be? Just to have mm-hmm. someone who you know. I mean, I'm so jealous of teams 
you know, like like who have the Gronkowskis and the Zach Ertz and, you know, and when Jason Witten was playing and, you know, I, you know, even if the Giants, Mark Bavaro was amazing. I just I love a good tight end. Right. And and it's we I feel like we haven't had a, a good tight end receiving tight end in so long. Who's really solid, you know, Jason Kelsey, right? As a, a, uh, I mean, I, Travis Kelsey. I mean, like there's some, you know, I would love those guys. I, I think we need more of a pass rush. You know, you, we got to put pressure on the other quarterbacks. I mean, that's the only way we're going to win the game. And, you know, they definitely need a little, you know, I thought that the, you know, the defensive, uh, the backfield needs, needs help too. There's a lot of areas. Oh my God, there's too many, Scott. I don't like it. <laughs> so what happens when you're four and 13, you got a lot of spots to fix and they're going to try and do it in free agency, also going to try and do it in the draft, clearly. Heading into the draft, the Jets have four picks in the top 40, number four, number 10, number 35, and number 38. They've got the extra first-round pick, courtesy of the Jamal Adams trade with Seattle, and the extra second-round pick, courtesy of the Sam Darnold trade with Carolina. They've also got a pick in the third, two picks in the fourth, two picks in the fifth, so they're loaded for bear, and they could move back, they could move up. There's a lot of flexibility here. What do you think the Jets should do? There are certain positions that are clearly going to be harder to fill, in free agency and they're probably going to have to do it in the draft where would you spend those resources and are there any specific players that you like early on at the beginning of this process before we really start digging in on these players i would love to get you know what a a marquee receiver you know would be nice and i would i think you need at least one or two guys and in whether i mean i don't if they're not the first round pick but at least the second round you know a, a good offensive lineman and then I think you want to get at least one guy who could rush the passer, who's a who's a solid, solid guy. And I have to confess, I, I, not watching. And, and again, it's the same thing with the youth sports. My son with his baseball on Saturdays, I didn't get to watch as much college football as I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the names of guys who I would like to see um, are not coming to mind right away. And I apologize for that. But as far as position wise, I mean, it would be nice to get a good marquee receiver, you know, a, a good offensive lineman and a good guy who really could put some pressure on the other team's quarterback. Roger, when the off season is over and the dust settles, what would it take to get you to believe that the jets have done everything they can to put themselves in the best possible position to compete for a playoff spot in 2022? Yeah. I just want to see that, you know, Wilson is going to be, if they value Wilson and they, they, they seem to believe that he's their man going forward. Right then you have to let's not play this game where we don't we, we, we put his life at risk every game. I mean, he got sacked, what, against the Bills like nine times? I mean, even though I, f- I felt like the Bills game was actually sort of a positive game in a crazy twisted way, mm-hmm. he also was he could have got hurt. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, get him out of there, you know, put in put in the backup, put in Flacco, because we you know, why is Wilson even in there? And I know why Wilson was in there, because I think Wilson wanted to be in there. And I think he wanted to play against Josh Allen. I think he wanted to play against the Bills. And I I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's exactly what, what, what happened. I mean, and I don't think Salah, well, I think doesn't think Salah wants to sit down and lie down and give up on that game. So I think that's why Wilson, Wilson was there. But you don't want him, you don't want to have to, you want to lose him in the first game of the season. You know, so you, you want to have, a, you know, a strong offensive line that's really protecting him and giving him time. And you want him to have people that he can throw to who are dependable. I mean, Scott, come on. He's coming, these guys, I mean, no offense. I mean, you know, I was a terrible high school football player, so I can't say crap, but I mean, some of these guys couldn't even catch. I mean, it was was some some brutal, brutal, brutal receivers out there this year. I mean, so you got to have guys who are going to make, who are going to make the catches 
And then, you know, on the other side of things, you, you got to have someone. I want to see someone who's going to put, you know, I want pressure on the other team's quarterback. I don't want them sitting back there and be able to have a ham sandwich and a cup of coffee and then throw <laughs> the ball and, and just totally like pick our defense apart. Right. Roger, Woody Johnson was back this year. Did you notice? Did you care? Did it matter to you one way or another? Or was he just kind of there in the background? To me, the only thing that I really noticed about Woody Johnson being back is that apparently he hired a really good social media person because his social media account was the best it's been in quite a while. But other than that, he seemed to stay in the background, didn't he? Yeah, and I'm okay with that because honestly, you know... um, as a Mets fan too, like we got that we have a new owner in Steve Cohen and I love, and I, I kind of like him and I liked it. Like he did something great, like just in the past couple of days. And that was to retire Keith Hernandez's number. Like he's finally like kind of, re- so I, I, I know the, 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 you know, the not the Johnsons are not selling the jets. All right. Face it. All right. At, at least at this point. So, but I don't love, love them as, as, as a team ownership. I don't love what they, I, I think they have a very devoted, you know, like us, very devoted fan base, right? Who they, you know, time after time have gone, you know, to watch this team and they're not putting a good product on the field. So I have no love for the ownership. I, I wish, you know, I, just, I hope that they're finally getting this right this time. And I, I think they might be, but I'm, I'm, I still have no love for the, the ownership of this team. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not looking at his Twitter. I'm not looking at his Facebook or Instagram or anything. I mean, I, I'm not a fan. You know, I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't like that they have let the team fall into the, the disrepair that it, it is right now because it's not fair. No, I'm not a season ticket holder, but for these people, I mean, I have friends who have been going for years in Chase Stadium. I mean, you know, the, I feel bad for them. I mean, it's terrible that, you know, you're spending eight weeks a year at that field and watching a terrible product. You know, it's not fair. You know, so uh, I, I hope... I hope they get that get get it together, you know, and, and I think they will. I mean, I th- I, d- I really do think, I, I you know, and I I don't know. Did I say this last year, Scott? I hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> you might have. I can't remember, but I know you talked a lot about one of my favorite topics, which is Sicilian pizza. And you and I talked about Spumoni Gardens, which I think has the best Sicilian oh, yeah. pizza anywhere. You're not going to find a better Sicilian slice. They should be sponsoring this show, by the way. I should talk to them. I had spoken to them a while back because I talk about them for free all the time. I joked with their social media guy that they should be paying me, so I should check back with them about that. I could get a couple of bucks out of my love for that place. I have to tell you, though, man, Chris Nimbley, the very big deal, who, of course, is on this show all the time, constantly arguing with me that New Jersey pizza is not just equal to New York pizza, but better, which I think he needs to be committed to a mental institution immediately for that opinion. But you, being a two-time Emmy Award-winning reporter in New York City, know all the best pizza places, I am sure. So I want to pick your brain on this. We talked about Spumoni Gardens last year. I want you to throw out some of your favorite places in New York to get a slice. Oh, well, all right. So, yeah, I mean, in Manhattan, I always uh, they don't have slices. I mean, I love John's on Bleecker Street, but that's a pie place. Mm-hmm. But you could go to, you know, to Joe's around the corner. Uh, Bleecker Street Pizza is great. Of course, um, the original Patsy's up in East Harlem mm-hmm. is unbelievable. They still have like the same oven they've been using for like a billion years. And it's, <laughs> it's uh, we, we love that pizza. The, set, the only thing is they don't deliver. So a lot of times over the summer, coming back from my uh, son's baseball practices at Randall's Island, we would swing through East Harlem on the way home and run out, jump out, get a couple of pies. Uh, Queens, I love uh, New Park Pizza in Howard Beach. Mm-hmm. Really good. And... Um, Danny Pizza, which is in Kew Gardens, yes. is also delicious. Pesto slices are the king over there. Right, the pesto. Yeah, so I love Danny's. 
Brooklyn, you know, LMB is great. Um, there's Lenny's, which is uh, Bensonhurst, I believe. Mm-hmm. Really good. I think I believe that's the place in Saturday Night Fever where uh, Travolta grabs the slices and eats the two of them at a time while he's walking down the street, which I've never done, frankly. But <laughs> And then I love on Staten Island, my favorite pizza is Joe and Pat's, which is on Victory Boulevard in Staten Island. Really good. But there's also a battle there because you have Danino's, which a lot mm-hmm. of people think that that's their favorite pizza. There's Lee's Tavern, which is like bar pies. Uh, which is in the Dungan Hill section of Staten Island. And then the Bronx, um, you have, you know, um, uh, what's it? oh my God, Louis and Ernie's, which is in um, Frog's Neck area, uh, which is a really good pizza in the Bronx. And uh, Moon Pie, which is on Arthur near 187th, is really good um, on in the Bronx. So there's every borough, right? We're lucky. Mm-hmm. We're pretty spoiled in, in the city. Roger, I'm going to give you a hot tip for the next time you're out on Long Island. I don't know when that's going to be, but Ramos in Plainview, phenomenal pizza, one of my all-time favorites. I promise you, if you try it, you will love it. Now, I wonder, you know, one of my best friends from growing up in Queens, of course, everybody from Queens moved to Long Island, mm-hmm. except me, but uh, <laughs> he lives in Plainview, and I'm shocked he has not told me about this place. So next time we go out there, I'm going to force him to order pizza. Even if, He's like one of those guys, like he takes such pride in his barbecue, he would never order a pizza, but I might have to just bring one anyway. Well, I'll tell you, Roger, the thing that's great about it is not only do I think they have the best pizza on Long Island, but they're right across the street from the original Bagel Boss, which I think has the best bagels on Long Island. So if you're out there, you get yourself a pie, and then you go across the street, get yourself a dozen Bagel Boss bagels. Oh, Bagel Boss is solid. You know what I like? Believe it or not, I'm one of the few people who like Bialis better than mm. Bagels. And they, the, the Bagel Boss Bialis are sick. Oh, my God. I love them. They're amazing. Really? And they give you a free one anytime you get a dozen bagels. They'll throw in one of those Bialis for free. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a lost art. I love uh, all, you know, also Long Island, Eddie's uh, in New Hyde Park. Great pizza, yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Pizza. No question about yeah. it. There's some great pizza places on Long Island. But as you said, in the boroughs, there's just so many. And that's one thing that is uniquely New York, I think, is that anywhere you go, you have so many great pizza places. Don't get me wrong. There's some pretty good pizza in New Jersey. But New York is always going to be the king of pizza as far as I'm concerned. Roger Clark, two-time Emmy Award-winning reporter for New York One and long-suffering Jets fan, of course. Thank you so much for coming back on and talking some Jets off-season with me. Always a blast to chat with you. Can't wait to do it again soon. In the meantime, I know plenty of people have the ability to watch you in the morning, see you out there doing your award-winning reporting. When are you out there? What are you working on? And how can people interact with you on social media? Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, um, usually um, I do. Um, I do the morning features on uh, on our morning show, which is called Mornings on One. So um, I'm on four days a week. Typically, you can catch me at 6.50 a.m. and 8.50 a.m. And then they repeat it throughout the day. So it's good. If you want to catch me on in, uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, you can catch me on both Instagram and Twitter at Roger Clark 41, uh, 41, of course, Tom Seaver. Mm-hmm. So there you go. True Mets fan, of course, number 41 for Tom Seaver. Make sure that you follow Roger on social media and check him out on New York One. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, is doing some great videos. He's got a couple up of Zach Wilson breaking down his late season games, all 22 film there. We're doing some prospect videos. Trey McBride, the outstanding tight end from Colorado State, who I've been pounding the table for. I would love for the Jets to get him with one of those second round picks. I think he could be a real difference maker. Luke's got a video up on our channel right now breaking him down and why he's a perfect fit for the LaFleur offense. 
So check out all those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Go to our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.